Well, good morning. It's so good to be with you, and I think, especially in the first service, they definitely felt this, but welcome to the first day of fall. I feel like once it gets below 90, we can say fall has arrived in Texas, and pumpkin spice lattes are back, apparently. If you're into that kind of chemical ingestion, then that's all for you. That's if you're new to our church or you've been coming now just for a couple months or a few weeks, we just want to remind you, and so we're just so grateful you're here, and I hope that every time that you, you come to Redeemer on Sunday mornings that you really do grasp and see that we, we just want to celebrate Christ and celebrate His great mercy that He's given us. And our church, we're committed to making disciples and making much of Jesus. We believe that's our call. That's the New Testament church's call. Nothing unique, nothing we've invented, just trying to be faithful to what Jesus has told us to do. And we believe that if we commit to do that, that that's our church's mission. And when we say that, we don't mean it's the, our organization's mission or just the pastor's missions, but it's the members of the church. For that is the church. You are the church. That our mission together is to make disciples and make much of Jesus. And that when we do that, that the real gospel, not the gospel of the Bible Belt, not the gospel of any man's ideas or any conception, but the gospel, the real gospel of Christ dying for our sins and rising again from the dead and ascending to the Father and then granting grace and forgiveness to all who would repent and believe in Him, that we begin with grace and finish with grace, that that gospel would become recognizable, seen, visible in our lives, in our church, in our communities, by our lives, that the real gospel would become recognizable in Tomball and beyond. So we're not just about Tomball. I think every church that's being faithful to Acts 1-8 will be an ends-of-the-earth church. So that's why we planted a church in Conroe. That's why we have supporters in Thailand and England. That's why we're committed to seeing the gospel spread all around the world. And one of our partners, one of our fellow church planters is Pastor Gia Bachtadze. Did I get it? You, you got it. Close, close. He's a very gracious man. <laughs> He's a pastor in the Republic of Georgia. Uh, we've been partners together for a few years now, and every now and then, I think once a year, he comes in and gives us a little report and update of what's going on, and we just said, man, we'd love to have him preach this year, and you're just going to be so thrilled and blessed, and I just so enjoyed the first service. I told him, I wish you could preach here every Sunday. Um, so, Gia, why don't you come on up, and you can go ahead and turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, as Pastor Gia comes. Come on, brother. Good morning, almost good afternoon. It is such a joy for me to be here and uh, to worship our Lord together with you, my friends. I just think um, it is such an honor, such a great honor and a blessing for us not to be foreign and aliens and enemies to the Lord anymore in Christ and through Christ, but to be His sons and daughters. And because of that, in that, we are also not foreign to each other, right? We are brothers and sisters in Christ. And this is a mystery of the church, and uh, that's a great blessing. Uh, I, I would like to say the word of thanks to you, uh, my brothers and sisters as, as a church, for your big hearts to us, to Georgia, to Georgians, and uh, for your care, for your prayers, for your support. And uh, it means so much for me. It really means a lot for me. Uh, today we're going to read uh, Daniel 1. Uh, before we read it, I would like to kind of warn you that uh, you'll probably, most of you, first time will hear it. Uh, this text, the words of the Bible, read with a kind of a Georgian accent. 
This may sound slightly different than what you're used to here, and I want you to know that this is the correct version, so don't get surprised. <laughs> Would you please stand up as we read God's Word? In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without a physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them in uh, assigned them a daily amount of food of wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. And to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God has caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard, guard uh, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and wine they were drink to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Let me pray shortly for us. Lord God, it is your word. It is a living word, Lord. This word didn't stay in the past. This is relevant and powerful and life-changing at all times. And we ask you, please speak to us through your word. 
May your word stay in us and change our lives. May you shape through your word our uh, worldview. May you change our hearts. May you strengthen our faith, Lord. Please meet us here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you please sit? Uh, the topic today is uh, staying faithful to the Lord in the midst of Babylon. Uh, the, uh, the text starts with the words, In the third year of reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, which is the 605 before Christ. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who wasn't a king yet at that time, he was the head of the army of his father, who was the king, Nabopolassar. He had a crash, clash actually, with the united army of Egyptians and Assyrians. And he crashed them down. And since that, since 605, Babylonian Empire became a strongest power, a biggest empire in the region for another about 70 years. On the way back from this fight with Assyrians and Egyptians, by the way, he also entered Judea. It was an easy thing, you know. As you go home after some important meeting, you just remember that you forgot to buy something at Kroger's or H-E-B, and you just enter there to buy some water or something. This was the same kind of deal for Nebuchadnezzar. So he got it. He got Judea very easy without any problem. And he didn't destroy the city of Jerusalem at the time. This was the first invasion in 605. Um, in, uh, 597 was the second invasion because they rebelled. Uh, and then uh, in 10 years, 10 or 11, 586, it was the third invasion because of rebellion of them. And so uh, during this third invasion, he destroyed, really destroyed the Judea, the Jerusalem. He destroyed the wall of the city. He destroyed all big houses. He destroyed the temple. But this first time, this first invasion, he didn't destroy it. Um, what he did, though, it says, and the, uh, he took some of the articles from the temple of God, from the temple of Yahweh, a God of Israel, God of the fathers of Israel, God of the covenant. He took some of the articles. Other translations say it was vessels. It was vessels, most likely. It could be some other things. Silver. Gold, of course, it's precious. You want to gain the best if you invade somebody, right? But besides that, it was uh, those articles were sacred. Sacred was holy. They were designated to worship, to use in the worship of their God, of the Most High, of the Yahweh. And uh, you know what was it? What does it symbolize? Is that the Nebuchadnezzar, whose name, by the way, means Nabu? Keep my right of inheritance. Nabu was his, one of the gods of uh, Babylonian pantheon. And was a god of wisdom, literature, poetry. And it was probably because he was named after him uh, uh, his personal god, his personal protector. So Nebuchadnezzar, the head of the most powerful army in the region, takes easy Judea and the king Jehoiakim. And he takes the vessels, the holy, saint, sacred vessels, and brings it to the land of Shenar. Other translations mentioned it. 
and puts it in the, into the house of his God. Do you know what does it mean? We read it just, we read it and then we continue. Uh, the ancient world, uh, physical and material was always connected to the spiritual reality, my friends. The physical things that happened uh, in a physical world was, had always connection with a spiritual world. So any army, any battle, it wasn't just a battle between armies and the kings. It was always battle between their gods. So when one army conquers another one, it was always a clear message for everybody that our gods are stronger than your gods. That's why we conquered you. That's why Nebuchadnezzar tarried down the huge army, united army of Egyptians and Assyrians. So he brings those vessels into the temple of his God, and this is a message of Nebuchadnezzar to all the kingdoms he conquered, to the ancient known civil world at that time, that my God is stronger. In the Babylonian pantheon, the main God was Baal or Marduk, the same God, different names. So Nabu or Marduk or other gods of his pantheon my gods are stronger than any other gods. That's why I conquered it. Uh, this is a message. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar surely thought he is the most powerful king of the world. And humanly speaking, he was. And he surely thought that Babylon is the most powerful empire in the world. And, uh, you know, humanly speaking, this is true. It was at that time. And he thought... And he made a mistake that many other emperors, many other dictators, many other kings and presidents, authoritarian leaders made. He thought he is making the history. He thought he is creating the history. He is moving the history. Uh, and this was a mistake. And there is very, he, what he didn't know is a very interesting phrase. That kind of a prologue, it sets... Uh, the main theme of the book of Daniel. And then this main theme that is just mentioned by a short phrase, it's just an entry, you know, it opens up in the rest of the book. And not just the book of Daniel, this is one of the main themes of the whole scripture. Uh, we'll read it. The, the verse 2 starts with the words, And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim king of Judah, into his hand. Nebuchadnezzar thought that his God, Baal, is stronger than Yahweh. That's why he reigned. That's why he won. There is no other way. He thought that he is the most powerful king. He thought he can do whatever he wants. He creates the history, but he was wrong. You know why? Because it was the Lord that gave the Judah and Jehoiakim to his hand. Because, and this is the lesson for all of us and for all the emperors, and Nebuchadnezzar will learn this lesson and we will see it. Uh, because Yahweh is the king. Because God is the king and he brings one kings and then takes them down. And he brings one empires and then tears them down and brings another empires. God is the king of the history God is the Lord of the history and the Lord of the future. 
and he will establish his kingdom that will last forever. We, I'm sure we know that, but we really don't. You know, you know and you don't. I do. No and I don't. It is not the Nebuchadnezzar and it is not the Babylon that create the history. It is the God of Israelites. It is our God. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of, God of Jacob. Uh, Yahweh creates the history. Uh, so I have a question to you. As we read about absolute, sovereign, ultimate king of the heaven and earth that brings one empire and then tears them down. The one who is in control of the whole human history. My question to you today, do you let the sovereign king of the heaven and earth rule over your personal life? Do you let him control your own life or not? Do you really do? We, none of us are the kings of the Babylon. I haven't even been, and there was never a chance for me to be for many reasons. I haven't even been a king of any other, you know, kind of a kingdom in the, on the earth. Have you? Um, but we all tend uh, to control and to rule over our own personal lives um, in many spheres. So my question, question remains the same. Do you let the, the Lord of the universe, the Lord of the heaven and earth, the one that is most high, that creates the history to rule over your own personal life? Where, what sphere is that you don't let him reign? You don't let him control? I tend to control, honestly, very often. Very, very often. I have to remind myself that he is the king. He is under control of everything. Uh, let us continue. Uh, so the verses 3 to 5. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome showing attitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve, the, to serve at the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. King, the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. And again, we read it, and we keep reading. But let's stop. Let's stop. And let's look carefully. Uh, he's taking, let us rephrase in different words, the best of the best. He's taking the elite, the most knowledgeable, the most talented, the most capable young men from Judea and most likely from other nations he conquered to bring them. He's taking the elite, the cream of crop, crop right? The cream of crop of the society, Judean society. The best of the best, the, the brightest stars on the skies, to bring them and to invest in them even more for one reason. What is the reason? It says it here. So that they serve the mighty 
Babylonian Empire. So that they served a great a king of Babylon and a great empire of Babylon. And, uh, you know, as I think about it, I just imagine Jerusalem is a, it's not a big city. It's not close at all to the biggest cities at that time. Uh, it was a capital. A capital of a small country that was pretty much devastated. It's a small city, and it was conquered. So it's pretty much for those young boys, it means to be taken from a province, from a village, speaking our language today, to the, you know where? You know, not just to Babylon, to the most coolest, the most brightest city in the ancient world. This was the coolest city in the ancient world. The science in the ancient Babylon, the art in the ancient Babylon, the health, amount of health and wealth and economy and political, uh, political situation, this was the center, this was the city. This was the city. It's like taking somebody from a small village to New York City. Lots of huge screens. Everything is colorful. Lots of cool music. You know, there is everything there. It is the center of the world, of a civil world of ancient times. Um, he's bringing the best of the best to serve to even greater uh, wellness, well-beingness of this empire. And what's happening? What do they do to them, to those young men? What do they do right away as they bring them? They're taking those four young men, taking from a small village. Like, it's not a village, it was a capital, but to understandable way, you know, to compare, to be able to compare. From a province to the brightest, coolest city in the world. And what they do to them first they changed their names. And again, we read it and we keep reading, but we need to stop. What does it mean? Well, you know what? In the ancient world, the name always played, even now, in the ancient East, but especially in the ancient, ancient world, uh, I mean, in, in, the, in the Eastern Asian countries, I meant even now, but in the, especially in the ancient world, uh, the name wasn't just to separate, to know how to separate one person from another person. Not at all. The name played always an important and big role. Why? Because it always reflected, it always spoke about the person, about his personality, about his life, about his roots, about his worldview. Always. So what were their names? What was the meaning of their names? Uh, let's read Daniel is God is my judge does it speak anything to you of course it does of course it does it speaks a lot about his family they feared God they believed God and they were raising in a certain manner in the same way their son uh, Hananiah Yahweh is uh, merciful Mishael, who is like God? Who is like Elohim? Hazariah, Lord, the Lord has helped. And they changed their names. Daniel becomes Belshazzar, which is Baal or Marduk, the same God. The head of the Babylonian uh, pantheon uh, may protect his life. Shadrach, 
obedient to Aku, Sumerian god of moon. Meshach, who is like Aku? Meshaku, actually. And uh, Abednego, a servant of Nabu, god of literature, poetry, and wisdom. You know what does it mean? Well, first of all, it means, the, uh, and this is very clear for the ancient people, it means power over you. If I change your name, it means that I have power, I rule over you. I control your destiny. I control your life. I can change it. I can kill you. I can let you leave if I'm merciful. But more than that, uh, I believe very deeply that this is a matter of identity. This is a matter of identity. Just think with me again, those four young men, teenagers. We don't know for sure, but most scholars think it's, they were probably either 14 or 15 or 16. They were teenagers taking from a village to the brightest city in the world, to the mightiest empire in the world. And they were given a different names, new names. You know what is the message? The message is, Forget your land, forget your holy land, forget your holy covenant, forget your Jerusalem, God's city, forget your temple, the place of the God's presence, forget your God. Here is your new names, uh, your new values, your new life, your new gods. Babylon tries to give them new, gives them new names. He tries to give them new identity. Forget who you were. Forget your God. Here is who you are today. A great career. You will become rich and wealthy. You will serve the most powerful empire. And you will serve our gods. Well, uh, it is very interesting, isn't it? And it could, uh, the question could, be, uh, could raise anyway, what, uh, how does it connect to our life today? And well, it was Babylon. It was 2,700 years ago, but about 2,700. So how does it connect to my life? Well, it does connect, my friends. It does connect very straightly, I believe. Um, why? Uh, because uh, Babylon today, every day, tries to give us a new name. Well, the reality is that Babylon was an existing city uh, historically and geographically. But besides that, uh, Babylon actually plays a very important role in the Bible. You know what does it symbolizes? It symbolizes mighty power that is rebellious, contrary to the God, contrary to the Yahweh. And over and over again, we see this. Where, where, where does it start? It starts with historical first beginnings of Babylon, historical Babylon. The, the first Babylon, uh, the Genesis chapter 11, where people gather together and they build a tower. Why? Do you remember? What was the reason? To make their name great, to make a great identity for themselves. Well, doesn't it happen again and again in every bright and powerful and cool cities? What kind of buildings do they build? Those Arabic countries, the amount of, amount of stories in those skyscrapers, it just, you hardly can count them. And you, you see it everywhere. It cannot be a necessarily scriper, but people try to make their own name great. 
without God. So I would like us to read uh, Revelation 17. You know, Revelation is the last book of the Bible. So anytime you study the Bible, anytime you study about certain topic, you always want to know what the last word says about it. Um, Revelation 17, first five verses. Read it with me, please. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and said to me, Come, I will show you the punishment of a great prostitute who sits by many waters. With her the kings of the earth. Hear it, kings of the earth. Uh, committed adultery. And the inhabitants of the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her adulteries. Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into a wilderness. There I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with a blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was dressed in purple and scarlet and was glittering with gold, precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. The name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great. Great Babylon. The mother of prostitutes and of the abominations of the earth. Babylon symbolizes a great, mighty, rebellious, contrary powers of this world. Of course, Satan is the head of all that. And uh, symbolically, it was talking about the Roman Empire. It didn't talk about the Babylon, the historical Babylon. See, notice, uh, the Babylon the Great is who? He is she, uh, who is she? She's a mother of prostitutes. She's not just a prostitute by herself. She's a mother of prostitutes. So she gives birth to prostitutes over and over during the all humankind history. So Babylon today, we, is there a place where we can escape Babylon? No, there is no place. We cannot es escape the spirit of Babylon. It's there in every culture. It could be more obvious or it could be less obvious. But Babylon today, our world and society and system of the values try to give us new names just like they did with Daniel and his three friends, my friends. You know what's the tragedy? I believe one of the biggest tragedy is that um, instead of the church impacting and being salt and light for the society, for the world, the same way like has to be in Israel, they had to be an salt and light for the all surrounding nations. The surrounding nation, uh, because of their faithfulness to the Lord, to the Yahweh, they had to see and admit there is no other God like Yahweh. But the tragedy is that they started, Israel started to mimic uh, the other nations. So other nations started to, other cultures started to, the world started to impact Israel instead of the opposite. The same way with the church. The world, instead of church impacting the world, the world impacts the church today. And this is the biggest tragedy. Um, so, my brothers and sisters, be aware of this. This is not the story that left in the past. It happens. It is relevant to us. 
you turn on the media, you turn on the news, you go to any school, any high school, any college, health and wealth, rejoice, do whatever you want, be your own life's God. You have to be happy, you have to have the coolest car, the coolest phones, I don't know, the coolest whatever, whatever. I'm not saying it's by itself bad, no. But you understand what I mean, right? It tells you every day who should you be like. What, is your, what your identity should be like. So that we forget and follow. But the question is, whose voice will we listen to? The Babylons? Nowadays Babylons? Or Yahweh's? Well, let us keep going and let us read uh, what happens further. The reaction of uh, Daniel. Verse, num verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Wow. Did you hear it? Did you hear it? 14 or 15 years old teenager taken from the village, from everything that was precious to him. He lost everything. Brought to the brightest and coolest city in the world. Given the brightest and coolest career in the world. He decides not to defile himself and not to eat what? The food from the royal table and wine. I, I would imagine the reaction of the officer, of the chief, the you know, responsible. What do you mean you don't eat it? It is the best food ever you can find in Babylon. It is not a Walmart stuff, my friends. It is all organic. It is all organic, natural, the best. King eats it. What do you mean you don't want to defile yourself? Is it a defilement? King eats it himself. He could lose his life just like that for this. What a rude, what an insult. Who are you to ask it? You are a captive. You have no rights at all. Be thankful that you are alive even today. That you get the best food. He resolved. He made up his mind not to defile himself. What a powerful, powerful, powerful statement, in fact. How many students do we have here, my friend? Is any college students, would you raise your hands? Okay. Any um, high schoolers? Uh-huh. Uh, graduates? Uh, those who work in a marketplace? Probably the rest. Or <laughs> those who take care of the kids, like my wife. <laughs> Most time at home with kids. But, well, I would like to encourage you. I would like to address you personally. Would you make up your mind daily not to defile yourself with the spirit of Babylon, with the values of Babylon, with the system of the values, with the mindset of Babylon? Would we make the same decision daily? Two times repeats this phrase in this verse. In this verse. He, he resolved not to defile himself, even under the risk of death. If, 
if God does, wouldn't give a favor to this officer, officer, he would be killed right away because this is unbelievable. He has no right to demand and ask anything. Would we, brothers and sisters, as a followers of Jesus Christ in the 21st century world, so bright, so connected, so shiny, Sometimes as I think about my kids growing, I'm afraid. Um, I'm thinking, oh my God, what kind of values should I pass to them so that they will be able to live faithfully to Jesus and not to submit, not to follow the value and the lifestyle of the world around them. Because it is so much impactful. But it's possible. So Daniel decides not to defile himself in the midst of the great, brightest Babylon. Wow. It is very powerful. Would you decide, would we decide not to defile ourselves? Even so, it is so attractive, doesn't it? Babylon is very attractive. Don't you agree with me? Uh, Our flesh tends to the Babylonian lifestyle, health and wealth and pleasure. Uh, but our spirit fights with us and uh, it turns to a different way, different value systems, different priorities in life. Would we make up our minds not to defile ourselves? Remember this phrase. It doesn't matter what city you live in. You live in Tambal, right? It's not a very big city. But it's, you know, it's pretty much suburb of Houston. I live in Belize, the biggest city of Georgia, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what city you live in. You may live in New York, you may live in Rome or London or Houston or Chicago. What matters is what city you live for. And the city we live for is the heavenly Jerusalem. It doesn't matter what city you live in. What matters is the city you live for. Remember that. Uh, We don't belong here. We're temporary here. We have to shine. Shine with the light of Jesus. To be a salt and light. But we don't belong. This is not our home. It is not our ultimate home. And the last thing. Daniel's faithfulness. Despite of the risk to be killed. Over and over. He and his friends. Throughout the book brings others to worship. Our faithfulness will bring others to worship Yahweh. Even the king of Babylon, even the king Nebuchadnezzar, the king of the most powerful empire. Let us read, uh, I'd like us to read a couple verses from the verse, from the chapters 3rd, 4th, and 5th. First, so Daniel uh, 3, Daniel 2. The second chapter, 
the end of the second chapter, 47, the context is that Nebuchadnezzar sees a dream and no one can, and he forgets about that dream. He loses a piece. He, he realizes it was something important, but he cannot remember the dream and it irritates him a lot. So he brings all the wise men, everybody, and no one can tell him. They say, well, there is no chance anybody, any human being will tell you what was the dream if you don't tell us what it was. We will interpret, but we cannot tell what did you see in a dream. So then Daniel comes and God gives him the knowledge of what was the dream and the explanation. What is he going to do in the future? Remember, he's the king and he will establish his kingdom. Over and over in the book of Daniel, it repeats. So, and Daniel does it. He tells him the dream and he tells him the interpretation. And Nebuchadnezzar at the end says the following words, 47, 247. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. And then the next chapter, uh, they make a huge idol. And they, you know, they, they, they made a law that everybody should worship. And then somebody finds out that Daniel's friends don't worship this idol, that, that his idol. So they got caught, there, they are brought, and he tells them, what do you do? Why don't you worship? This is your last chance. Do it. Bow down. And they say, we will not. God can save us. We know that. If he doesn't, even then we will not. So that you know the king. And they throw him into this oven, basically. And they heat up the oven. Extremely, extremely. It was an iron uh, idol. And they throw those three men. And uh, Daniel notices that there were three. And then they become four Strangely, and this four looks like a son of God. Absolutely interesting picture. And he is shocked. They're saved, and then they are taken out, and there is nothing on their bodies. So here is his, uh, his uh, proclamation 28 29 of chapter 3. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Listen to it. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him, and they defied the king, denied the king's command, and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of every nation who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save this way. Neither Baal, neither Nabu, neither Aku. And the chapter 4, you know what interesting detail is that the book of Daniel is written in two languages. It's Hebrew, first chapter until um, chapter 2, verse, verse 4, second part of verse 4, until then. And then starting from 8 till the end is also Hebrew. All in the middle is Aramean, was a language of speech, common language of speech like English for many, in many places, like Russian for the 15 Soviet republics. So everybody spoke in the empire Aramean. And so all these proclamations 
All these words are spoken in Aramean. Let's read, uh, and I'll tell you why it is in, in, in interesting. The first chapter 437. Now, and remember, he, God uh, takes out Nebuchadnezzar's mind in the context of this chapter. He becomes like an animal, like a bull, uh, bull? like a bull, right? And he eats grass, he, he, he just becomes like an animal, and then he restores him. And at the end, this proclamation, uh, 37, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. These are all those three proclamations we read are in Aramaic. You know why this uh, so powerful? It's because this is a witness from the uh, mouth of the king itself to all the kings. He is witnessing, he's proclaiming in Aramean so that all people will hear and understand. The Hebrew, most people would not, only Jews would. Aramean, everybody does. All kingdoms, he, he says, there is no other God like God of Daniel and his three friends. He is the most high. So our faithfulness to the Lord brings others to worship. Well, three lessons. It was first was uh, not, not emperors nor empires rule the history. God is the king ultimate, absolute king and the lord of the history. Um, the second, uh, it was don't let Babylon give you a new names, a new identity. The third, con you know, the, the connected with it, uh, would, we def would we make, would we resolve, make a decision not to defile ourselves? not to fo follow the Babylon's lifestyle and a value system. And the last uh, lesson, um, our faithfulness brings others to worship. Shall, let's pray. Lord, we worship you, the only king, the only living God, Yahweh. God of Abram, Isaac, and Jacob. Father and Son and Holy Spirit. There is no one like you. Uh, you are the king of the universe. You are the ultimate ruler, ultimate Lord. Please help us to let you rule in our lives. Help us, Lord. Please help us. Do not follow, be aware and do not follow the Babylon of nowadays. Do not follow Babylonian lifestyle, health, wealth, and pleasure. Uh, please help us to listen to your voice, not the voice of Babylon. Lord, please help us daily make up our minds not to defile ourselves. Uh, and Lord, please Help us to be faithful to you, despite of all, until the end. In your name, Jesus. Amen.